0: Welcome to Soul Rio, a church where God is made center, families made stronger, and lives restored. Today's sermon is entitled, Tis the Season to Partner, presented by Pastor Floyd Silva, on December 8, 2019. Well, this
1: morning, um, as we continue in our series, as we prepare for Christmas, um, I want to touch on what some would say might be a touchy subject in our culture this at this time and place in our uh, time. Uh, for others, it may be a no-brainer. It may be something that uh, it's just something that is happening, and you don't really see it as anything um, as uh, too controversial or doesn't create any kind of real emotions in you as it's shared and discussed. Um, But so a lot, for a lot of people um, in our culture today, it's a little bit of an emotional kind of dynamic when someone kind of shares what we're going to talk about here uh, for various reasons. And so I want us to look what uh, Jesus prays in the gospel of John chapter 11. There's this beautiful prayer that, that Jesus does, and in the midst of that prayer, he says something very specific that is very applicable for you and I in today's time. In the Gospel of John, chapter 17, it's in your notes and it'll be up on the screen. In verse 11, Jesus prays this prayer for you and I. He says, and I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world. And I am coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one even as we are one. See, this prayer that Jesus prays is really reflective for us at this time of year because it should be a reminder for us as God's church to come together in faith as one in Christ, to put the past behind us, to look at the days ahead, to take steps forward towards working together to proclaim the good news of the Savior that has come to give salvation to the world. I wonder for for many of us, is this our focus at this time of year? Do we really come together? Do we seek to gather together as the church, as one body, to become one as God and Jesus were one? I think at times, this is a dynamic in our lives that we sometimes lose sight of. We sometimes forget the importance of gathering together on a Sunday morning. I think the, the focus in our world today has kind of shifted towards um, us gathering together to hear some excellent communicator, and that's not me, by the way. Um, an excellent communicator share something that maybe encourages us a little bit maybe inspires us a little bit gives us that pep talk you know the coach saying hey let's go out and do this and and we feel good and we enjoy the moment but then we go away from here and we Enter into the real world, and we start our week on a Monday morning, and all of a sudden, all of that's kind of lost and forgotten, and we're not as excited, and we lose kind of the dynamic or the understanding of the value that that is happening in the community of God and what God intended for us to do as the church body and come together in partnership. And I think there's a key there, and a very there's an element to in regards to why we forget that, why why Monday change changes us from Sunday and why Sunday changes us once in a while and i think the element is that that we forget that we have a part to play that it's not just us coming and hanging out and hearing a good message, singing some really pretty songs and feeling good afterwards and kind of walking away from there thinking, hey, I'm ready to conquer the world. I'm able to do this, that, or the other. But I think it's a dynamic of an understanding that as, as the church, as the body of Christ, that we should live in partnership. And I think partnership is the right word to use. I think partnership gives us a greater and a more deeper understanding of what Jesus is praying for as he prays, Father, let them be one as you and I are one. See, Jesus was born in Bethlehem. He came to this world in partnership with God. He came here to fulfill the purposes of God, the plan that God had sent into motion so that a savior would come to bring salvation to the world around us. And there was this dynamic and this understanding. If you read this whole prayer in the gospel of John of this partnership between him and God, he knew that God was leading him. He knew that God had ordained these moments and he had sent him at the proper time. And for this season, in this moment, in this time, he had a role to play. And it was his job to do something very specific in the coming days. I think for you and I as the church, as the body of Christ, as we profess a faith in Jesus Christ, as we think about our role in the church and what God desires for us, a greatest thing that we can understand is the dynamic that we are partners in the gospel. That you and I come together on Sunday mornings more than just to hear a a good message, more than just to sing a couple songs. And I believe in our passage this morning, that God's going to give us a greater understanding of this. I want you to look at Ephesians chapter 4, verses 4 through 6. The writer says this, he says, There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all, And in all. See, part of the beauty of what we celebrate in the Savior's birth is that that he came to unite his people as one. He came to bring us together and unite us as one, to, to draw us closer to him and to one another. See, partnership is something that God intended for everyone who professes a faith in Jesus Christ. To the idea of partnership towards, speaks towards unity. And I believe it gives us a greater understanding of God's plan for all of his creation. Every man, every woman, and every child. Let's pray and let's seek to discover what this partnership is about. Father, we thank you so much for this morning. We thank you that we get to gather together, Father. That we have the privilege here in the United States to come and, and worship freely. Father, to come and, and encourage one another and remind each other of the hope that you've offered us through this beautiful baby, through Jesus Christ, the birth of a Savior. Father, the one who had come has come to unite his people. Father, I pray this morning as we open up your word that your voice would be heard, that you would speak to us, Father, that you would fill us with your spirit, that you would dwell among us. And Father, that you would reveal to us the things that you have for us this morning. It's through your word that we gain greater understanding. It's through your word that we draw near to you. And Father, as we open up and as we read your word this morning, draw us near. Help us to understand the things that you have for us, Lord. Lord, we thank you and we praise you. We love you in Jesus' name, amen. Well, in Romans chapter 15, I'd like to read the first 13 verses, and then we'll talk a little bit about each one of them or a few of them. The writer begins by saying, We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves, Let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. For Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. And whatever was written in former times was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accordance with Jesus Christ, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. the root of Jesse will come, even he who arises to rule the Gentiles. In him will the Gentiles hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. The question this morning we have in front of us is, is there hope for the church today? See, we see and we hear about disunity in the body, and it frankly, it breaks my heart. You see and you hear how, how your, your average or your faithful churchgoer only attends church probably about once a month. See, if we want change to happen, then we have to be the change. We have to be part of that change. We ourselves have to change. We have to do something different to create something different. So I want to ask you this morning to, to humble ourselves, to, to seek what God has for us they listen to what God's word is saying to us. And I believe this is important because in partnership we help others. See in verses 1 and 2, he starts out by saying we who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. See, Paul here isn't trying to tell us how strong or how good he is, but he's telling us here to move towards Christ-likeness, to do the things that God has done for us. Because we have an understanding of faith, and maybe we're a little more mature in our faith, a greater understanding of the things that God has for us. We have an obligation to help those that are maybe newer in the faith, maybe gaining an understanding of what it means to walk in faith. And it's not a dynamic that we come together just to to please ourselves, but we come to serve one another. We gather together in partnership to help others. See, I think this is a sure sign of a mature believer, is that when you gather together with other believers, you're there to help them, to encourage them. It's more about what you're giving them than what it is about you're getting from them. I love the picture that we get in the books, book of Acts. If you would flip over to Acts chapter 2. And I love this picture that they give us of the, of the church. In Acts chapter 2 verses 42 through 47. Acts chapter 2 again starting in verse 42. It says. And they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers and all came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles and all who believed were together and at all things in common and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all and to all as any had need and day by day attending the temple Together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. Praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their numbers day by day those who were being saved. I love the aspect in this picture that, that the writer paints for us of the church. That they're devoted individuals gathering together day by day from house to house in the temple And together as a community, helping to serve one another. It's amazing how many gifts our church has. If you think about your skill sets and the dynamic of your abilities and all the things that you can do, the things that you're good at, if you will, and you think about how you take all of those things and if you were to put them together with with hundreds of people, what could be accomplished? Because there's some areas in your life where maybe you're not very strong. You're not very good. But I tell you what, the person sitting next to you or across from you or the person that that comes and gathers with you on Sunday mornings may have a strength, a gift that will, will help to foster your gift. And when those gifts come together, I tell you what, the church is stronger because of it. You know some people kind of giggle at the fact that uh, and it's okay, I, I'm okay with that that, that I, I straighten the chairs, and I, I'm a little bit um, type A with them. And that's OK, because I really am. <laughs> I, I'm not being dishonest, and it's not a skill that I have that, to straighten chairs. It's not a strength that I have, but, but I'll tell you where, where the heart lies behind the chairs. And, and, I, and I believe, and I'm not saying this to brag on myself, but to say that, that this is the heart that should lie behind everything that we do in the church. Those chairs that I straighten every week, the chairs that I, I set up every week are there because I know that someone will come and sit in them. I know that there's a person that will come to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. And so it's important that those chairs are set It's important that those chairs are straight so that that we remove any kind of distraction in the church. It's important that we do the things that we do so that we can create an environment where people can come and they're free to worship and experience the hope of Jesus Christ. And that goes all the way down from those in our church that that clean our bathrooms, that that sweep and mop our floors, that that bring food and, and prepare coffee for us that take the time through the week to prepare a lesson so that our children can hear the good news of Jesus Christ. See, they're not doing that for themselves. See, they're, they're doing that for you. They're doing that so that mom and dad can come in here and be free to worship, to to remove the distraction of a, of a crying child or a hungry child or, or a kid that just doesn't know how to really pay attention, you know. They're doing that so that they can meet the needs of our kids. See, that's the beauty of partnership. See, that's what God is telling us as we seek to please others and not ourselves. As we use God's word to apply it to our lives, to build up our neighbor and not ourselves. See, God's word is very specific. He's telling us something very specific here. He says that every one of us should seek to build up someone else in the faith. I want to ask you this morning, how does that play out for you? What what is your role in the church? What what is the dynamic of what you do to help others be built up in the faith? Whatever it is, whatever comes to mind, I, I want to tell you this this morning. It is so critical to what transpires. Everything you do is so important. And I say that lightly, but I want to express it in a way that just conveys, it is so important. There's a lot of people that do a lot of preparation for what we get to do as the church body. And every piece of it, every dynamic of it is critical to the success of God's word being proclaimed, the goodness of the gospel being proclaimed. And we do that all through the week as we meet together on Sunday mornings, as we gather in our small groups, as we invite people to coffee, as we engage in other family members' lives, as we hear and see the experiences, the joys, the hard times, the emotions, everything that goes on with doing life together as the church. See, that's the beauty of what God has created. What beauty of what God has intended through the birth of his son, Jesus Christ. See, in partnership, God intended that we would gather together. I know that sounds like such a simplistic kind of statement that we would gather together. Oh, Floyd, that's a no-brainer. We hang out. But there's more to it. Look what he says here in verses 5 and 6. He says, may the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. See, if we aren't gathering together, how can we glorify God? if we're not being intentional about meeting together through the week, day to day, on Sunday mornings, how can we glorify God? See, this statement that he's making here, one voice isn't a singular voice, but it's a plurality of voices. It's the church glorifying God. It's the body of Christ coming together to glorify God. Our God and Savior. I want you to look at Romans chapter 12. Flip back a few chapters. Verses 15 and 17. Because I think, I think this is uh, really what should happen when we gather together. Whether it's in our homes. Whether it's on Sunday morning. Or we're meeting at a coffee shop. Wherever it is. This is what should happen as we gather together the chur- as the church. In verse 15 he says, Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. See, notice he is telling us how we should live. That that together we should be happy when others are happy. I have to tell you, it concerns me a little bit because I don't always see that play out in the church. Instead, said sometimes when people are happy, you see a little bit of jealousy, a little bit of envy. I read your Facebook posts, by the way. <laughs> just kidding. I'm just kidding. You know, it says, it says that we should weep when others weep. When someone's experiencing loss or brokenness or hurt or pain, for whatever reason, you and I should be weeping alongside of them. But how how do we do that if we're not gathering together? How, How do we do that if we're just coming to hang out for a little while and listen to a message and sing a couple songs and then we shoot out and kind of fade into the distance? See, we do it by lifting up each other. We do it by hanging out together and coming on Sunday mornings and having a mindset and a purpose to say, hey, you know what? I'm going to walk across that aisle and not just say hello to somebody, but I'm going to say, hey, you want to have a cup of coffee? Hey, I I see you here every Sunday. I see you here every now and then. and, And I just thought maybe we can get to know each other. Maybe we can encourage each other. Maybe we can do a Bible study together. Maybe we can just talk about life together. See, that's what God intended that, that would create the harmony that he desires for his body. The one voice, the unity that he seeks to have. See, we do this together and we do it in community. But sadly, at times, our, our emotions get the best of us. And we become prideful. We see others as less than us. We act as if we know it all, and we hurt people because we've been hurt. I want to encourage you this morning. Don't don't let this be you. Seek unity above all. Do do what God is telling us to do. And I know, I know we offend each other. Shoot, you offend me all the time. (laughs) Just kidding. We, we, we hurt each other's feelings. We're human. We make mistakes. We say things that are silly that we probably shouldn't say. We get on our soapboxes boxes and, and we want to proclaim our gospel, right? We want to tell the world what we feel and what's right and what, what you should do with your life. And in doing that, our pride comes out and, and we hurt people's feelings. We say things that offend But God wants us to be something different. God, God, God wants us to come with, with other people's interests in mind. You know, I, I love the term in the church that, and you hear it a lot, and I know people are, don't really know that they're saying this or what they're kind of communicating when we say this, because I've said it before too, and so I'm just as guilty, and so I'm going to pick on people that say it a little bit, but um, it's that dynamic of I'm not being fed. Have you ever heard a believer say that? I'm not being fed. What's your response? Well, you don't have to say it, but, you know, our response should be, well, pick up the fork. (laughs) You know, grab the spoon. Jesus has invited you to the table. (laughs) All you got to do is pick it up and engage. Pick it up and eat. The meal's in front of you. It's been prepared for you. See, but instead, we we choose to kind of let our pride get in the way, our emotions get in the way, and and we become something different. And and there's a, a simple reason for that, is because we don't do what Jesus did for us by coming as a baby in a manger. He came to give us grace. See, that's an important word as a Christian. Have you heard that term before, grace? Yeah? Are you familiar with it? I hope you are. Because it's an important part of, of our lives. It's the reason why we celebrate Christmas. God's grace. Look at what he says here in verse 8 and 9. In partnership, we offer grace to others. He says, for I tell you that Christ became a servant. And he did it for the circumcised to show God's truthfulness in order to confirm the promises given to the patriarchs, in order that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. As it is written, therefore, I will praise you among the Gentiles and sing your name. Did you catch that? See, the king of kings became a servant so that you would know the truth the truth about God's grace, the truth about his mercy, about the love that he has for you and I. See, Jesus did it so that you and I would proclaim his name, so that you and I would offer grace to those around us. See, grace is such a beautiful thing. It's such a wonderful thing. I don't know about you guys, but but I need grace in my life on the daily. <laughs> I need God's mercy in my life on the daily. I'm, I'm, I'm excited to read in God's word in the Psalms when, when the Bible tells me that God's mercies are new each and every single day. Because I need grace. I depend on grace. It's a promise that I stand on. It's a promise that I lean on. It's a promise that I believe in. It's a promise that I trust in. I hope you do too. But in doing so, just as God offers us grace, just as Christ died for our sins, even though we were sinners, you and I have to offer each other that same type of grace. You and I have to be willing to, to forgive our brothers and sisters in Christ. You and I have to be willing to, to show mercy to those that are weak, those that are, that are maybe hurting or broken, Those in our world that that maybe offend us or maybe don't talk the way that we talk or do the things that we do. And I tell you, grace in our culture today needs to be expressed more than it ever has been, I believe, in the history of our world. And it's for the simple fact that our culture is probably more broken today than it ever has been. What's happening in our world today should bring tears to our eyes because all the things that are transpiring, all the things that the, the, the false teaching that's out there in regards to how we are to live as humans, all the things that, that is being all the things that are misleading the world today comes down to the simple fact that they have no hope. And the only thing I believe that will give us hope is the grace of God And that grace comes through how the church not only responds to one another, but it also comes through how the church responds to the world around us. Again, in Romans chapter 12, verses 9 and 10, he says, Let love be genuine. Period. I like how he put a period there. I don't know if the writer intended to do that or not, or if we just added that period later. But I like it. (laughs) Let love be genuine, period. He doesn't give you but if or what if, but he says, let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. See, right there. I think that kind of gives us a picture of why Jesus prayed what he prayed in the Gospel of John. John. Let them be one, Father, as you and I are one. See, he wants us to come together and be united in faith, serving one another with genuine love. Because in partnership, we can rejoice in hope. See, that's the dynamic that unites us, right? As Christians, is the hope of the cross, the hope of the birth of the Savior, Jesus Christ, what he came to do and who he is exactly. See, we don't think that Jesus is just a man that came and said a lot of good words. We believe that that Jesus Christ is the son of God. He is God in flesh. And that Jesus Christ came to die on a cross. And not only did he die on a cross, but we believe that he rose again on the third day. And that resurrection produced the hope that you and I share. We rejoice in that hope, knowing that we have eternal life, that Jesus conquered death, that this little baby that was born on that faithful day would bear the weight of your sin and my sin and the sins of this world to give us this hope. Verses 12 and 13. Again, Isaiah says, the root of Jesse will come. Even he who arises to rule the Gentiles, in him will the Gentiles hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. See this quote from Isaiah 11. It points us towards a time when Jesus will come again. He will unite his people, both Jews and Gentiles, all those that belong to them, to belong to him. See, this is why Jesus prayed what he prayed in the gospel of John. Jesus knew that you and I would be distracted, that we would get lost in the midst of all the things that are going on in the world. And that's why he points us here and reminds us that you and I have hope that he came to unite us and to give us to one another so that we would have encouragement, that we would be reminded to serve together and to put other people before ourselves. See, to remind us that it's so important for us to gather together as the church in our small groups, through discipleship, our men's and women's ministries, however that looks, the important part of it is that we gather together faithfully to encourage each other, to stir each other up, as the Bible says. And he even tells us, don't forsake the gathering. Do not do that as others might have been doing. But instead, gather together to stir each other up in the faith. I have a, a, a little life I don't know if you want to call it mantra. I don't know if that's the right word. A little saying that I like. But it's just simply this. It's own your faith, find your place, and then help others do the same. See, my responsibility is between me and God. I have to own my faith. I can't have your faith. I can't depend on my parents' faith. I can't depend on my wife's faith. I have to have a faith of my own. I have to have a faith that I own. And then from there, God God moves me as he gives me a greater understanding of this faith to the dynamic of an understanding of that there's a place for me in the body of Christ. I may not be a foot, because I don't like feet, but I might be a hand instead. You know, I might be an arm, but I am a part of the body. So my responsibility is to find my place, to use what God has given me to serve the church. And then as I do that, God it gives me a, even a greater responsibility on top of that, in addition to, and that is to help others to do the same. See, that's the gospel and the gospel pro- proclaimed. That's the great commandment and the great commission all summed up into a simple act. And I call it an act because we have to act. We have to put our words into motion. We have to act as the body of Christ in partnership. We have to come together and rejoice in this hope and help others grow in their faith. So I want to ask you this morning. I want to ask you this morning to make a commitment. Not to me. In part, it will reflect towards me. But I want you to make a commitment to God this morning. I want you to commit to not forsake gathering together. I want you to make a commitment this morning to say, I am going to be faithful to come together on a consistent basis with other believers. I'm going to be a part of a small group. I'm going to ask someone to to disciple me or to be discipled. I'm going to meet with people on Sunday mornings. I'm going to make a commitment to to get to know somebody that sits by me or around me on Sunday mornings. But either way, whatever it looks like, however God leads, I'm going to commit to gathering together. Because I believe by doing so, That'll make the difference, not only in your life, but I'll tell you what, it'll make the difference in somebody else's life. I can promise you that. If you stay faithful to coming together and committing to gather with other believers, encouraging them in the faith, I'll promise you, and you can come back to me if it doesn't work out, but I'll correct you with God's word, by the way, if it doesn't, I'll find something in there. Just kidding. But I, I can promise you, God will change you and not only will God change you, he'll change somebody else around you. Because I don't know about you, but, but I need a friend. And I, I think everybody in this room needs a friend. I think everybody needs someone to say, hey, I care about you. Hey, I, I believe in you. And I trust that God is doing something in your life. I, I don't think there's a one of us that will walk away from here saying that uh, I don't need that. So let's commit together as a church. I want to close again with Ephesians 4 because I think it's so important. It's such a reminder for us. Again, tis the season to partner. Tis the season to celebrate the birth of our Savior. Have an understanding of why God sent his son for you and I. It's simply because this. There's one body, one spirit, just as you were called to one hope, when you are called one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and father of all. Listen to this. Who is over all and through all and in all. That's why we partner. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you so much for your love and grace. Thank you so much that you give us this opportunity to gather together. Father, thank you for your word. Because it, because it is the key to our understanding of this hope. Everything that you've communicated to us through this book is what plays the part in us growing in our understanding of our faith. And so this morning, Father, as we bow our hearts to you, as we commit to gather together, Father, we do this so that we might gain more insight to your word. We do this so that we can help others Gain more insight to your word. Father, and we do this so that we might give. Father, you have given us so much. You have given us everything that we need. You provide in so many ways. Father, and you just simply ask that we give back, that we share this hope, that we share this love, that we come together as one body and worship our one God. And so, Father, this morning as we sing these last couple of songs, we lift our voices as one and we give you praise and we give you glory and we do it all in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Thank you for listening and we pray you were blessed by today's message. You're invited to worship with us Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. For directions and information about Soul Rio and our weekly events, please visit our website at soulrio.com You may also contact us by phone at area code 505-792-8737 or email us at info at Solrio, At Soul Rio, we're a community of followers of Jesus Christ committed to live by faith, to be known by love, and to be a voice of hope to our community we invite you to go with us on this journey.